who here has seen or has heard of the movie um, Dead Poet Society? Okay, there's a few like me. Um, if you've raised your hand, you are owning that you are of a particular generation. And the ones that haven't, you are also owning that you are of a particular generation. Either younger and you've got no clue what I'm talking about, or older and you've also got no clue what I'm talking about. We are people of a set time who occupy a certain space in history. I'll come back to that point later. But anyway, uh, Dead Poet Society was a brilliant story about um, a class of teenage boys who were at an elite American boarding school. And they were kids that were kind of weighed down by this pressure to perform and get really top-notch grades and, and do really well so they can fulfill their parents' expectations for them later in the careers that their parents had chosen for them. But their new English teacher, Mr Keating, was a teacher who was somewhat outside of the box, who wanted to teach them how to think for themselves and to make the most of their time. Now, I was going to show you a scene from the movie, but because we're live streaming, I'm probably not allowed to do that. So I'm going to try to explain this scene. Um, he gets the class out of the classroom and he takes them into like, kind of like a hall of fame, you know, like where there's photos of previous classes and trophy cabinets and photos of winning teams of, you know, soccer teams or footy teams or whatever. And he um, gets one of the students to read out a poem that's, uh, the first line is, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. And then he highlights this thought that actually that is kind of this idea, this Latin um, um, way of phrasing it, um, carpe diem. And he says now, I don't think you've seen these photos properly. Lean, lean in and listen to their legacy. And so he gets the class to lean in and they're looking at these, you know, beautiful black and white photos of all these boys all dressed up and neat. And he, he whispers in their, in their ear. What does he say? Does anyone know what they're going to He says? Carpe. Carpe diem. Seize the day. <laughs> And it's this beautiful moment where these boys are like suddenly confronted with the reality of their limited time and this impulse that they've got to make their life count. Um, so, it's carpe diem, seize the day. Or YOLO, if you're of the younger generation, you only live once. In other words, your time is short, limited, finite, so make the most of it. Make your time count. Seize the day. But how do we do that? Are there wrong and right ways to think about this? Because just doing what we want and taking risks and making decisions based on what makes us feel good might not actually lead to making our time count. That kind of approach might actually be a sure-found way to waste our time. So let's look at this passage today to understand what Jesus is trying to tell us about this really important issue of time. In this first section, in verses 1 to 5, Jesus engages in a conversation about some recent tragedies where numerous people were killed. One incident was at the hands of Pilate and the other was an accident when a tower fell and killed 18 people. 
pretty sad stuff. And Jesus draws out some truths about time. Firstly, that our time on earth is short and unpredictable. And it's a mystery that can't be rationalised by philosophies like karma, you know, what goes around comes around, or ideas that suggest that suffering is a form of punishment. Put simply, we don't know when our time will be up. We can't predict that. But then Jesus says something quite confronting. He says, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Unless you repent, your lives will also end in eternal tragedy. And Jesus is actually pointing to a way to avoid this eternal tragedy. He's pointing to the reality of a God who stands outside of time, a God who is eternal. Our time might be limited, but God is the one whose time has no limits. In Revelation 1.8, we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You see, God isn't limited by time like we are, and he doesn't operate according to our timelines. In fact, he's the one who determined its start and its end. He is in this moment present now, as well as present in the past and present in the future. So we live in what the ancient Greeks called chronos time, chronological, yeah? It's measurable linear time set by the length of the hour, the day, the weeks and the years. Our lives exist in this set space in history for 70 to 90 years if we're lucky. But here Jesus is pointing to a reality outside of our finite chronos time. He's pointing to an eternal time an eternal existence that is available to us in relationship with God. And here's the thing, our relationship with time can't be separated from our relationship with the giver of time. Because it's in this relationship that a whole other timeline is open to us. An eternal timeline, an eternal existence with him. So Jesus is urging us to take the reality of our frailty and our finiteness as an opportunity to get right with God, as an opportunity to enter into eternity. So making the most of our time and making our time count is based on our relationship with the eternal God. And then Jesus shares a parable in verses 6 to 9 where he pushes us a bit further in how we think about time. And he shares this story of a fig tree that the owner notices isn't bearing fruit. In fact, it hasn't been bearing fruit for three years now and it's wasting resources that could otherwise be used to tend other trees. And so the owner tells the gardener to get rid of it, cut it down. But the gardener says, hang on, let it live for another year. Give it some more time. I'll give it some more fertilizer and I'll tend it more intentionally, but give it a bit more of a chance. If it bears fruit, great. If it doesn't, then cut it down. So we notice a couple of things from this parable. We notice that time is a gracious and undeserved yet limited gift. A gracious and undeserved yet limited gift. 
we also notice that time has a purpose to allow us to fulfill our purpose to be fruitful. So then our chronos time is infused with potentiality and purpose that we are called to make the most of. But again, Jesus suggests that an adequate time to bear fruit has been provided to us. And unfruitfulness won't be tolerated. The implication is that we need to get on with it. So making the most of our time involves our relationship with the eternal God to live fruitful lives. Will we take this chance that we've been given, this gift of time that we've been given to bear fruit for God? (laughs) Good. (laughs) Later in the New Testament, amen, sister. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 16, we're told, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. In the King James Version, making the most of the time or the best use of the time is phrased as redeem the time. It's a sense that time that might otherwise be lost or wasted can be salvaged, reclaimed, redeemed. Jen Wilkins says that we are commanded to be time redeemers, people who understand this sacred calling to live this day well. Now, this isn't about filling up our lives and getting busy. Busyness can also rob us of the opportunity to bear eternal fruit. Both busyness and laziness can lead to the squandering of time. And it's also uh, not about either clinging to our past, where our past hurts and pains keep us from the potentiality of the present, or clinging so tightly to the future where the great dreams that we might have for our lives, even if they are for God, inhibit our connection with what God's doing for us and through us in the present. And it's also not about YOLO, permission to do what I want. But Jesus teaches that living well and making the most of our time isn't about us, but about the kingdom of God and eternal fruit. In Matthew 21:43, when Jesus is rebuking the Jewish leaders, he says to them, "The kingdom of God, there we go, yeah, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit." It's kind of similar to that idea in Matthew 6:19-21, when Jesus talks about investing in our treasure in heaven rather than in material and temporal things. Kingdom fruit, eternal treasure. And what I love about this is that God actually uses our time-bound efforts to bring eternal results. You know, most of us can barely get our heads around or even bring ourselves to believe that we could make a difference in this world, let alone in eternity. But this is what you've been created for to live eternally significant lives. This is what making the most of our time is about. This is what it means to live well. It's about being the type of person who bears eternally significant fruit, whose character shines with the person of Christ, whose presence brings God's presence 
his peace, his joy, his love, who makes a difference by pointing others to Jesus and who nurtures life, eternal flourishing life in others. Now there's such a myriad of ways that we can bear eternal fruit. Uh, Too much that I can't fit into this time in this sermon, but I'd like to emphasize three key words to help us apply this point. Investment, intentionality, and worship, infused with worship. So how are you investing your time in God and his kingdom? How can you be intentional with your time, with your relationships and your pursuits in order to be present and available for God's purposes? And three, live your life infused in worship. Keep the foundation, the motivation and the goal, the love and the glory of God. Like what it says in the New Testament, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Now, I'm someone who is driven and passionate to get on with things, especially the bigger things and the bigger opportunities. And I want to invest in the bigger picture of my ministry in in the community that I lead. But I can often tend to overlook the opportunities to bear eternal fruit in the ordinary, everyday moments and interactions of life through my relationships and interactions that I have with people every day. And a lot of us do this, don't we? We fail to see the opportunities right in front of us today. Like to be intentionally connecting with our kids and our grandkids, our family, our friends, our colleagues in the here and now. It's not always about bearing fruit out there in some ideal opportunity in the future but about making the most of our time in where we are now and in who we're with now. And this is what I think our passage from Luke is pressing home to us, this sense of the power of the present. But we're not left with this lofty, urgent calling to get on with on our own because when we think about fruit, all fruit, A, has to have a source and B, reflects its source. And of course, we all are probably familiar with um, John 15, where Jesus reminds us that bearing fruit is only possible as we abide in Christ and allow him to be the source through which our fruitfulness is born. I'll read it from verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think this is what Jesus is pointing to as he heals this woman on the Sabbath. This woman was crippled, bent over, unable to live well, unable to flourish, and probably unable to live a fruitful life. But on the Sabbath, the day that the Jewish leaders had placed so many restrictions around, Jesus shows that there are no boundaries, no limits, no restrictions on God's time for people to receive from him. Jesus doesn't wait another day like the synagogue leaders expect. The moment for this woman to encounter God and to be enabled to live fruitfully and fully is now. 
Friends, God's desire is for you to flourish, for you to live well. And his desire is to give you what you need to live a fruitful life. And the time for that is now. Making our time count, making the most of our time involves our relationship with the eternal God to live fruitful lives through his enablement now. You don't have to wait to be enabled to bear fruit for God's kingdom. Jesus is right here, right now, longing to release and enable you to live the fruitful life that he's purposed for you. And this is what the Bible calls Kairos time, where God's eternal time and presence invades our Kronos time. Kairos is the Greek word for an appointed time, a critical moment, an opportune moment. And it's where our sense of the sacred is more pronounced and where God is, we just feel his presence, we know he's there. And Kairos isn't bound by the clock. So while Kronos time is quantitative, we can think about Kairos time as qualitative. Kairos moments are holy moments where God breaks in and we experience him in ways that are precious, transformative and impossible to describe. Our making the most of our time Our living uh, lives of eternal significance are enabled in kairos moments, which are always now in the present. Now is the right moment. Now is the critical opportunity. Now is the opportune time. That scripture that I shared earlier from Ephesians about making the most of our time, that's literally make the most of the kairos. It's a Greek word, kairos, or redeem the kairos. Make the most of God's availability in the here and the now. And I love this quote. All there is of God is available to the person who is available to all there is of God. All there is of God is available to the person who is available to all there is of God. Let that sink in for a moment. He is here, available in all his fullness to enable you to live this day well to make the most of your time, to live wonderfully fruitful lives for the kingdom. Friends, God wants to remind us today that the gospel includes the redemption of time. The saving work of Jesus includes his redemption of our time. If you're feeling like time is mastering you, that there's very little time for him in your life. Jesus wants to redeem that and to help you make space for those Kairos moments where life can slow down for meaningful connection. If you feel that there are ways that you spend your time that are like addictions for you, and I'm talking screen time mainly, which is robbing you of 
the life and the relationships and purposes that God has for you, Jesus wants to release you from the hold of that and free your time for him. And if you want your time to mean something special and to be used by God to affect the lives around you for his glory, Jesus wants to enable you. Or if you're feeling like you're missing out on really living the life that God has for you, Maybe you just feel like there's obstacles in your way all the time, or maybe you're just being held by the past. Like the woman who was crippled over for 18 years. Maybe you feel like you're just living half a life that you stopped really living years ago. Jesus wants to set you free to flourish, to flourish and enable the flourishing of others. He has more for you. Time is a gift of God, redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, for you to make the most of with him. Take this opportunity with God, this Kairos moment, to be available to all that is available of God. Amen.